This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast, where host Amber Cullum and her guests delve into hard truths and the unwavering grace of God while journeying in the kingdom of God here on earth. Listen every week at graceenoughpodcast.com or on your favorite listening app. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Kimberly Cook, and I'm the Assistant Director here at the Hendricks Center. And today we're going to be talking about infertility and childlessness, with author and speaker, Dr. Julie Shannon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And thank you for shining light on this topic. Absolutely. And we actually did talk about it about four, I think three or four years ago. Yeah. Which obviously is not enough. attention to the topic. But for those of you who are listening and have kind of tuned in to this particular area, if you want even more of a conversation, be sure to check out our um, podcast titled The Struggle with Infertility. And uh, Julie is actually one of the guests there. And it's also with uh, Dr. Sandra Glon, who is a professor here. So it's a very good episode, so you should listen to it too. So in that episode, you got a chance to share a bit of your story. But here, I think we might have a little bit more time and space to be able to really kind of hear how did you end up speaking into this area? That's a really good question. I I didn't, as I remember it, I don't even know that I knew I was speaking into it when I mm. did. You know, sometimes when we're in the middle of a life storm and God opens doors or presents an opportunity and we step into it and they go, oh, <laughs> later on looking back, at the time I was in a lot of pain and I couldn't find resources for people like mm. me when I started realizing this isn't going to happen, right? Because of everything that had gone on, I went, okay, I'm going to have to accept that I'm not going to be able to have kids. And out of that pain, I, I had freedom in my church. I was told, do whatever you want. Do you want to do workshops? Do you? And I was already doing some speaking and teaching there. So I created a workshop for people in the middle of infertility. And then I realized what I really need to do is, is create a workshop for people to know how do we walk well with people who are in that pain. Mm-hmm. And, and in the process of that, then did some focus groups and learned from other people and knew from my experience that those that are closest to us, those we are in community with, are usually the ones who don't mean to, but they cause the emotional hurt and pain. Hmm. So before we launch too much into that, because there's like several questions that I'm going <laughs> to ask. Okay. Before we launch too much, I want to be sure that you and I and everybody listening are all speaking the same language, essentially. Yes. So who are we talking about when we're, when we're talking about this area? And who are we not talking about? And is there a difference? And what is the difference? Well, when you're, when you're looking at infertility, it, it is the 
and there are definitions and I have them in my, I have a little small book on if you're walking through infertility with the statistics and everything. But really, if you're struggling to get pregnant, stay pregnant, or you've had a miscarriage, several, a stillbirth, things like that. That's what, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about infertility, that's just kind of a broad umbrella of those things. And when we look at childlessness, I call it involuntary childlessness Mm. because a lot of people call themselves child-free because they don't want children, Mm -hmm. right? So they don't have children, but it's not that kind of pain that it is for someone who really wanted to have children and couldn't. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I reference it. Um, You don't have to, but that's just for some clarification. That's very helpful. And that, and when I say that, I mean people who couldn't have children and didn't adopt or mm-hmm. don't foster, you know, people who really, that's where my journey was and that's where my writing tends towards. And then within that, there's kind of a, a gamut of um, situations. Mm-hmm. Does that help clarify? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. I just, okay, good. I, I've read your books, <laughs> but oh, I wanted you. everybody else to hear your, because I think that, I think pointing out the difference between voluntary and involuntary childlessness is important. And it's a, it's a helpful nuance that you're adding because you're right. It's a completely different situation. Childless is the, is the label, but it's a completely different situation and emotional state for the, for people in either scenario. So may I make one more clarification too? Sorry. There is another term that I use is active infertility season. Mm, Okay. And I, I just, I want to, if you don't mind, let me, if I can talk about that for just a minute, because there's a time where, okay, you're actively trying to get pregnant. You can't, or you're trying to get pregnant and you lose or whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like. But on each end, there's like a bookend of pain, Hmm. right? So in the beginning, you're frustrated. Maybe you don't know your infertility, which usually people don't, unless they know they have a problem. And so there's that frustration and pain and fear. And then you go through, maybe you have some loss and all of the other things. And then at the end of it, I mean, it takes a long time. And people are on their own timetable for the mourning and the grief. And when it's that really raw stage, I call that again, a bit of an umbrella, an active infertility season. If that, if I'm, if I'm clear with that, just because people sometimes I know say, well, your miscarriage was a year ago and I know y'all just gave up. So why are you still upset? Hmm. I can understand that. And, and I think I like the word season there because it's, well, one, it's open-ended, <laughs> but also <laughs> yes. that that is a distinct season. That is a distinct period of time during this kind of struggle, you know, because that it just, I mean, the friends I know who have gone through it, like it's just, it's just a unique experience. And, and you're right that, you know, and especially if it doesn't end up being successful, you know, in terms of pregnancy, then, yeah, you just, there's a lot you have to deal with because of what you went through. And, you know, like even just the medical dimensions of it and the physiological dimensions, it's just a lot. So I I really appreciate that. Thank you for adding that new term into my glossary. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) 
So going back, actually, I promised we would go back. Going back to what a comment that you made as you were talking about how you began speaking into this area, you said when I kind of realized it wasn't going to happen. So would you walk us through what it's like to realize that you won't become a mom? What, um, What do we need to know? What do other people need to know about that? And I'm assuming there are poignant moments as well as, you know, it's kind of this, this path that all of a sudden you realize you're on. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another one of those. Oh, I'm on this now. Okay. (laughs) Um, When you're, when you're walking in the middle of, as you said, the medical, the emotional, the spiritual, and you're going along and you're having all the tests and you're having losses or you're not able to get pregnant. I had, I had several friends who just couldn't get pregnant and for years. When you're walking along in that, it's, it's very surreal and it's just, it becomes your focus in your world and, and it's what you're doing. Hmm. What happened with me, a lot of it was my age at the time when I finally started trying to get pregnant. It was my age and then I had some health issues that were dealt with, but they also were problematic. And the reason I came to the conclusion I this is not going to happen for me is my third miscarriage, it was, I had already been told the realistic statistics of my age. Mm-hmm. And that one went the furthest. And then we found out I lost So that to me broke me at that time. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this again. Um, I can't go through this just because of all the things I had to do every time I got pregnant. And so I had to have a real literal come to Jesus meeting (laughs) on my knees, sobbing, you know, going, why? And, And I write about this, you know, the be fruitful and multiply. I am doing what, you know, I'm supposed to do and I'm trying to do this. And a lot of that I wrestled with God a lot, a lot. And it took amazing people in my church community and a counselor and friends and family. And I I had to gather my people around me to help me and had to have the people willing to. Yeah. What? Walk us through, if you if you could, a little bit of that wrestling. What what were you wrestling with? And you know, was it just not just? And I that's no, I know. I'm not I using know. the word just in a pejorative <laughs> I way. At all. I, know. Um, I know. But was it was it largely you approaching the Lord with? There was this thing that I wanted, and I thought that you had for you know for me, and I thought that there would be in my life. Oh, uh, or what else, what else was involved? Pre- I mean, presumably that would be at least part of it. Or was that the core of it? Walk us through a little bit of how you talked through to the Lord about it. Because I think some people who are listening who maybe are in this situation could really benefit from hearing how, how to even talk to the Lord. Because I know that I have had friends and family that that is part of what they struggle with. They don't even know how to pray because they feel like it doesn't make any sense that this wouldn't be something that God would give them. Um, good conversation 
path. <laughs> I railed a lot. I remember, like, now I think about it, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, Lord. And at the time, I did, too. But you know what? He knows our hearts. And, mm-hmm. and I had a friend. I told her how angry I was that I was trying to do something that I felt like my entire life I would do. Mm-hmm. It just was that someday, you know, someday I'll be a mom. It wasn't ever a question for me. It was like, I, oh, that's what we do, right? Or that's how I was raised. That's what we do. We go, mm-hmm. we grow up, we have children. Anyway, and so I, that was just always in my head that that would happen. And one of the things, this is not me directly, but a friend, I, I remember sitting at my dining room table and I had a friend who wasn't able to get pregnant. And we were talking through some questions I was preparing for the focus groups that I was going to do. And she pulled her Bible up and she was really angry and she just threw it on the table. And she said, all I read about is God blessed all these women in the Bible. He opened their womb. He blessed them. They had a child. And she said, what does that mean for me? Does that mean he doesn't bless me? Does that mean he doesn't love me? And I went, the, the minute she did that, I mean, at first I was kind of taken aback. I was like, oh, wait, we don't throw the Bible. <laughs> um but I, but I, especially now when I think back on that, I so appreciate her raw honesty because we weren't close, close friends. We just knew each other through church slightly. And that sent me down that road of saying, putting into words my pain. Because I probably was in that point of, there was so much pain. How do I even pray about this? And I started forming the questions why God, why not me? And I would see things in the news about people having babies. And I, I became very judgy about certain situations um, that I would see on the news about people, especially celebrities. That it was really widespread. And I would go, wait, why does she get to have a child? Because she just did this, this, and this, right? And so I became that mm-hmm. whole comparison thing, which is a really dangerous road to walk down just for our own mental health. Um, And I was bitter and I was questioning and I was crying. I was on my knees a lot crying. And then I'd get back up again and try again. And um, it's hard to make sense of the purpose and plan for our life when we feel like, especially as Christ followers, I think there is, we were in the church, right? The family is the building block of the church. Mm-hmm. Not everyone, but a good majority of us, that's what we believe. That's what we do. And, you know, it's right there. Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. So, and I love when, a, I'm sorry. Get, no, please, uh, please go ahead. You mentioned uh, Dr. Glan and I did the episode prior, and she helped me so much personally and with her writing. And in one of her books, and I quote part of it, there's this whole understanding that in the Old Testament, God was building his people through having people. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, the focus is on we're building the body of Christ. 
and there's that subtle, I really appreciated understanding, you know, having children isn't the whole, it's not the goal of our lives. The goal of our lives is to love God, love Jesus, and glorify him to others here on this earth. And that is our purpose. I, I'm one of those people that for so many years, I was like, what's my purpose? Like, you know, what's that thing I'm supposed to do? And then it was, I'm supposed to be a mom. Okay, some of us are moms. Some of us are spiritual moms. And it's really hard reconciling that. And I, I still have moments. It's been years, but I, I do. I have times of the year where I get a little overwhelmed and go, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to ever have that. And then I have a moment. And try to make myself go, okay, thank you, Lord, for this person in my life hmm. who you've used me to influence. When did you feel your heart or soul <laughs> start to start to accept or start to be, you know, strong enough to handle the grief in a in a new way when did you kind of feel that turn it actually turn started turning without without realizing it i there were several things that went on at once i had one of my really good friends daughters who was 15 at that time um, when she was like 12 we really bonded over a michael w smith song <laughs> And we just always had this like little bond, just, I don't know why. Um, I never babysat her, but when she was 15 and in school, she asked her mom if I could mentor her. Hmm. That was totally from the Lord. <laughs> and, and so she would come over and we would talk. I just became another adult in her life. And then I had a friend who invited me to participate in a nonprofit with a, men a mentoring component. And I ended up getting two young adult women who I started mentoring there. And then I had a friend who loves me dearly, who I trust, who had listened to me through all of my pain, who at a very appropriate time, I'm saying it very carefully because mm -hmm. we have to be careful with how we do this. She said to me, okay, you have realized that's not God's plan for you to have your own biological children. So what are you going to do now? And at first I was, you know, highly offended. I was like, what do you mean? What am I going to do now? And she said, no, it's time. You can still mourn it, you, but, but you have a life to live and he mm -hmm. had you here for a reason. So now it's on you to figure that out. And it, it wasn't as harsh as it sounds because she was very loving about it. And I talk a lot about having people in your life who have never been in the middle of it, who can give you that perspective. Mm -hmm. But I also had close friends who had walked through it too. And they, they were another vital piece of my healing because they understood. So it's important to have both that balance and, and to realize, here's the biggest lesson I learned in my um, walk with God. And I, again, this came from an 18-year-old guy, <laughs> the son of a friend of mine 
who said one day he had just finished his freshman year in college and he said, I, I know Jesus is my savior, but I haven't been living as if he's the Lord of my every day. And what about that resonated with you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I realized I'm not trusting God. Hmm. I trust him for my salvation. That's not the issue. It's, Am I going to trust God in these daily, painful, <laughs> hard steps that I have to take through a season that I never wanted to sign up for? Hmm. One other question about, and again, because we're just trying to really dig in and understand the experience. Sure. How I'll answer you, anything. <laughs> what? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an open book about it. I don't have, I don't, it, it's good. Whatever you need. How do you, or say either suggest or how does it, how do you think through, how does someone who is struggling with this, how might they think through the identity conversation? So I'm presuming that find your identity in Christ is not going to be a helpful comment and is could could be rather unfeeling <laughs> and and you know it's just because you know being a mother being a parent and like all of that there there are identity components in there and so that is a part of the struggle is that you will not have that identity so what what did you how did you come to think through that dimension of your experience and and your own identity. You know, it's funny, you just, the way you just phrased that took me back to one of my classes at DTS and um, Dr. Joy Baker was just in a lecture. I don't even remember what the lecture was about, but she was talking about the different roles that we play in life. And she said, you know, wife, mother, aunt, and, and she said, those are roles. And not all of us are going to have all those roles. We need to know who we are, who we are in Jesus and who we are in the church body. And I and that really resonated with me. And that's where mm-hmm. that just took me was that moment where she said that. Because, again, that was years later. And I sat there going, oh, that's it. You know, that's it. So part of... Part of that for me was making myself and having people point out ways I could have an impact in someone's life. Because the, the role itself, um, it is really important. I've also seen a lot of people and that becomes who they are and the oh, yeah. only thing they are if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I, I saw it with a lot of people I was walking through infertility with. I, I found myself on the edge of feeling entitled that I should have a baby. And I, I recognized that attitude and went, oh, you're treading in dangerous water, sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be careful. And I could say that to myself. Don't go say that to other people. Um, but I had to take a step back and be willing to look at myself and say, okay, if if not this, then what? And one of one of the things I've learned is pay attention. 
really pay attention to who comes into your world, who God puts in front of you. I, I remember coming out of a Sunday school class, probably right in the middle of this time frame of trying to wrestle with God and figure out where am I emotionally and spiritually and how do I step away from, you know, feeling entitled or bitter or any of those emotions. And another friend, her, I think she was 16 at the time, her 16 year old daughter who I did not mentor. And I didn't know that well at the time she was waiting for me outside the door. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, Oh my gosh, how are you doing? And she goes, great. And she goes, I just want you to know that you're a spiritual mother to me. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, I lost it. <laughs> I, I truly just sobbed. And she was reading, I think it's Captivating. Okay. By the Eldridge's? Yes. Is that, yeah. Yes. Is it Stacy? That was, yes. yeah. <laughs> so in that book, there's a page that talks about spiritual mothering. And I stood there and talked to her for 10 or 15 minutes because she told me the ways. I didn't even know. I didn't know this kid was watching me. And she said, I want you to know this and this and this. And here's what I see in you. And here's how you're affecting my life. And I mean, if I, if I, I realized if I stay cocooned in my pain and I'm unwilling to pay attention in life, I'm going to miss those moments. Hmm. And it's still hard. So anybody, anybody listening or watching, it's not easy. The, the journey is not easy. But if you can pay attention, it's amazing the people that God brings in to validate different areas of your life. And you learn to have, I learned to have an appreciation and say, okay, not the door I wanted. Because I had to do that for a while and still occasionally go, yeah, this isn't what I wanted. But it's it's where I am. And then when I'm not in that mindset, I'm like, thank you, Lord. And I, be, I made myself become very thankful. I made myself find ways to be thankful, hmm. to change my heart and my mind. Because it's really easy to get, like with any hard thing in life, it's really easy to get caught up in your own head and emotions and close down. Because hmm. you want to protect yourself. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a survival instinct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, well, and when we feel like God's let us down, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's the emotional part of it. Honestly, you feel like, okay, God let me down. God is blessing all these other people and he's not blessing me. When, and then you have to get the right perspective and go, okay, wait, that's not what that means. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. I am its host, Amber Cullum. Each week, I sit down with a guest to discuss hard truths and the unwavering grace of God they've experienced while journeying in God's kingdom here on earth. You'll hear from guests like Jen Wilkin, Jamie Ivey, Andy Crouch, and Scott McKnight. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com. 
So you did talk about the Old Testament and New Testament views on on children, which I think is a really helpful observation, you know, for somebody who who really genuinely looks at Scripture and, you know, students of the Bible saying, man, it, you know, it seems like children are a blessing. Am I cursed? What is this? You know, and pointing to the New Testament um, mandate, you know, and the New Testament value of building the church and establishing God's kingdom as much as we can, you know, here and like already not yet type thing. Yes. And what other themes did you see or have you seen, especially as you've written and spoken on this, biblical and theological themes that um, people struggling with this, uh, with infertility, with childlessness, what other passages do they struggle with? What other themes do they struggle with? Um, and, you know, what might be a more helpful <laughs> biblical theme or theological theme to really kind of anchor themselves in? I, th- I think I hear you saying gratitude is actually one to anchor yourself in. What else have you seen, both in the struggling side and the helpful side? I think in the struggling side, it's really, really developing that thankfulness. Hmm. That is huge because the more the more we can in any situation, the more we fill ourselves up with that daily gratitude of you know, <laughs> he is the creator and sustainer and redeemer and savior of all things. And the more we can fill ourselves with that, however we do that, if it's just I, I tell myself that or I'm going to go do some journaling and open the scriptures and do that. You know, it's, it's different for every person. I would love to be one of those people that can get up and journal. And I don't, I, I just don't, I laugh because I say I wasn't the ideal DTS student because <laughs> I, I I'm a terrible linear. journaler too. So that's okay, yeah. so <laughs> I get I, it. <laughs> like that kind of discipline for me is mm-hmm. not going to work. So, but what, find what that is for you. How do you grow closer to the Lord? Is it in prayer? Can you ground yourself in prayer? Is it listening to true worship music? Is it gathering in your community? Just those themes of especially community and, and rooting, rooting in who God is because the more I study and read and fill myself up with who he is, the more I get my own self in perspective. Hmm. And, and also time. Because we, we can get so caught up in our, our struggles and our troubles and feel like it's the end of the world, which for us in some moments, it feels like it. I'm not invalidating that at all. But then, like, have that perspective. There was a there was a clip. I'm trying to remember who did it. Um, it was during a sermon, and it, it kind of went viral. And there was a rope that went off stage, and there was a piece of duct tape around the other end of the rope, about that wide. And the whole point was, this right here is our life. Hmm. And that rope that goes all the way across the stage and off where you can't even see where it goes that's eternity. 
And so keeping that in perspective, even though, again, it feels, it can, it can feel off balance at times, but just filling ourselves with the truth of who God is, I think is what really helped me filling myself with gratitude, really understanding that really studying blessing. It's, it's hard when you, and not everybody struggles with it, but I, I had a friend who really struggled with the blessing and the curse and trying to figure all mm-hmm. that out. And, and then we turn around and social media is covered with pictures of, you know, hashtag yeah. blessed with a picture of, you know, a couple and all their children. And it's like, okay, I'm so happy for you. It's not that, it's not that we don't want you to have your children. Those of us who don't, it's that we just want ours. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that's hard too, when we gather in community and we're trying to be there for each other is to remember who God is, be thankful for his provision, um, spend time communicating, pour your heart out to him, be in community with other people who will support you and love you through it and not throw easy fixes or answers mm. or, or prophecies about. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> and, and I say that I let me, can I just give a quick caution sure. about that? Okay. Cause I said social media, I, I still, I, I see posts of, people who will finally, it's hard enough to put it out there that you're in that pain. And I know with social media and younger women who've grown up with it, they're more comfortable saying, oh, here's what I'm going through. And it's hard and painful. And there are always people who who jump on and say, oh, don't worry, God's going to give you a child. Mm-hmm. And that, that. <laughs> that, that just like puts the hair just, it's like my head just goes, because I'm like, <laughs> You don't know what God's going to give anybody. Mm-hmm. Please be careful. So anyway, sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> I had to do a little soapbox. Totally fair. I think later on I was going to ask for things to say yeah, and okay, not say. Sorry. So there you have okay, it. Okay, I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> no, you're just fine. <laughs> so is if someone moving a, a bit, shifting to those walking alongside you know, the community that you're talking about and people who, you know, are friends, you know, sisters, co-workers of those who are going through this struggle. What, and <laughs> you're probably going to roll your eyes at me for this and it's okay. No, I <laughs> um, what is like a little first aid kit? Like, and I get that it's not that simple, but that's why I you like could roll your though. eyes. But like that, no. that, that people could kind of have, you know, like I have, um, I like that. Like for me, when I'm really struggling with something spiritually, especially like a disappointment with God, like, like a deep disappointment or you know struggling with the problem of evil or or something like that yes you know i tend to go to the lament psalms and um like lament songs and and liturgy basically because i don't feel like i can pray so i pray liturgy because somebody else is like it's like the body of christ like praying for me (laughs) because i can't pray right now um that's my little first aid kit what are the things that you might suggest you know, I, it's not going to fix it, but it just kind of helps triage all the feels. 
great, great analogies all. I love the first aid kit idea. That's great. So, okay, there's, there's a book I recently found that is similar to what you were just talking about. And it is the most, I, I told a friend, it will stay next to my Bible for the rest of my life. Hmm. And it's called Every Moment Holy. Okay. And it's by Doug McKelvey, I believe is his last name. And it is, it is prayers. It is liturgies. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. And it's for everyday things. It's amazing the topics that he wrote prayers for. And there's one for when you're dining alone. Hmm. Right? So if somebody feels lonely and what to pray and how to draw close to the Lord in that moment. Or before a medical procedure, there's there, it's very very helpful. So I highly recommend that for those times where you need. Here's what I need to go to because I don't know what to pray, but these are beautiful prayers, and I'm in pain, and these address some of those. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I recommend a lot is to have a battery operated little votive on your night table because, and and I've given that to a lot of people, so it's something that. If somebody's in the pain, they can get it or use it themselves or somebody that could be a nice little, put it in a gift bag. Um, I've used it for different situations that are hard. And if you've ever been in that point of overwhelming pain, the middle of the night is your enemy hmm. because you lay there and it's dark and your thoughts just mushroom and grow. And it, I think it can be really mentally very, very tough and emotionally. And so if you can get up and flip the little switch, I don't say a regular candle because I don't want anybody lighting a candle yeah. in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> so Fire's um, not, not a good plan when you're yeah, in that plan. much pain, no. <laughs> but if you can get up and just flip, you don't have to turn the lamp on, mm -hmm. but just flip that little light on. To remind, as a reminder that God's watching over you, God has this, and and I give a card. I have a favorite um, psalm that I memorized, and now that I'm trying to come up with it, it's of course gone. You can't remember it? <laughs> um, hold on. Oh my goodness! Um, give me renewed hope and cheer. Uh, when it when anxiety is great within me. When my thoughts are in turmoil, quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. Hmm. I think that's the right. And that's Psalm 94, 19. And it's, it's from my 11-year-old, my when I was 11 years old, Bible, the Living Translation. Mm -hmm. And it's my favorite translation of Psalm 94, 19. So I will handwrite that on a little card put it in a bag with a votive battery operated candle and to somebody I know who's, I gave one to a friend whose dad died and I said, you're going to have nights where it's really hard. And I just, you know, I just want you to have this. this, this verse means a lot. And when you tell people that it's something that means a lot and helped you, if you phrase it that way, it's very comforting. It's very different than saying, well, you should read this and yeah. it'll make you feel better. <laughs> Rejoice right? in the Lord always. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, yeah, no, no, thank you. Okay. Yeah. I had someone after a miscarriage say that to me. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
thank you. It was that it was it was like no, don't do that. Uh, but so that's a that's a tangible first aid kit, or just your presence. I mean, if you're talking about things to do, call them up, offer to to listen and and be willing because there there are a lot of things about infertility that people don't know that are painful and humiliating and embarrassing and man if if you trust somebody and you start telling them what you're having to go through it can be it can be mm-hmm. a little a little shocking um and spiritually it's having having scripture that means a lot to you if you even want to i mean i had moments where i was like i just really don't want to i know thanks god i'm kind of mad at you right now Mm-hmm. And again, he knows our hearts. I mean, why it is not a sin to pour your heart out and say, I'm not happy with you. I don't understand this. Now, we also have to <laughs> turn mm-hmm. around and say, thank you for what you've given me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, help me to focus on you. Help me to draw back to you. You are my strength. You're my help in times of trouble but I don't understand this time of trouble and that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's this, uh, actually the lament song that I was talking about that it's in my own, a first aid kit. One of the albums, uh, it's called lament songs by the Porter's gate. I don't know if you've heard it, but you should Mm-mm. listen to it if you haven't. I will um, remind me. I love what they, I love it because the songs are raw and they are frustrated and it's pointing out, you know, like one of them is called Wake Up Jesus, you know, and it's oh. and it's like the song is basically wake up. Like, when are you going to wake up? Because you could solve all of this. You could fix it all right now. When are you going to wake Love up? Love that. But but all of the songs, they have this really respectful tone in the midst of it. So it never yes. feels it never feels unrighteous. It just feels like a holy like mourning and a holy like discomfort at the presence of sin and death and evil. And so, yeah, I think like you're saying, you know, like there's a way to do it where there is a way to be angry and frustrated and communicate that, but still be respectful of the father, you know? Yes. And still be like, uh, yeah, like, I don't want to say a good Christian. That's just too simple. <laughs> but well, but I like that you use the word respectful because Sometimes we can get a little too familiar with God. Mm-hmm. Like when I felt entitled that he should give me a child, it's like, uh, you need to go back and read Job. Yeah. <laughs> and let's focus on the end where he starts saying, did you, mm-hmm. where were you? And it's like, that will put it in perspective. And even though we know we love the Lord and we have a close relationship, there is also that very healthy awe and respect and Mm -hmm. not acting like, because I found myself sometimes acting like a five-year-old. Well, and, you know, all through, all through Job, he's, you know, consistently saying, I'm blameless. I'm blameless. You know, come put me on trial. I'm blameless. And then, you know, like you're saying at the very end, all of a sudden he says, I am not because of how I'm actually handling this. (laughs) You know, I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know. 
And, you know, and I think, yeah, there is, there is a part, it is okay to have, like I've said earlier, like it's okay to have the feels. Absolutely. Yes. They're from the Lord. Yes. And, um, and grief is, uh, we talked about this actually in a, a chapel um, a while back for our, with our center, but grief is a, is just a form of love. It's a love that doesn't have mm. something else to to like reciprocate and to be there to give to. And so that is fine. That is holy and that is righteous, but you can't allow that to, you know, allow you to Don't be, harden your heart. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Or let a root that's, of bitterness grow. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the part because what you said was so true. And that's the reason we want to have a healthy lament. And I don't, I don't know that we really are taught how to do that no. outside of scripture. So I love that you listen and I, w- I want to go. So remind me and let me know where to find that. Um, I because I think that's really healthy to mm-hmm. do that and to feel the feels, feel the respect, go read Job seriously how his friends acted, we can learn from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to behave as they did when they sat quietly. And we see kind of where they went wrong. And then his walk with the Lord. And then knowing who God is at the end of it. It's like, it's a perspective. And and I think that's really healthy to keep in mind. And I and I want to say one of the things that people can do walking alongside that one of the one of the biggest first aid kit things to have in your pocket is a lot of grace, Mm -hmm. a lot of grace for excused absences from family events, from your best friend, give it to your best friend who can't come to your child's two-year-old birthday party. If they can't, they can't. It's not about, it's not about you or your child. It's about their pain in that moment. And, um, and know that everybody, as with any grief, everybody's is different. Everybody's length of that journey is different. The layers of it are different and there's no time frame. Um, and there was one other really important in, in the church, let's include people. Let's bring people in. That's the women I interviewed. I did my dissertation on this and the mm-hmm. women I interviewed it's amazing the different, I mean, one's a community pastor, one mentors students, one has a jewelry business and, and a younger couple that came into their world, they're like the substitute grandparents. Mm-hmm. And they raise money doing that to provide for those kids college and they go on vacations. And so there are just, way, there are all kinds of ways we can bring each other in because we are the family, we are the body of Christ and when there are those in our midst who don't have their own nuclear family, let's let's have them be part of ours. Mm-hmm. Well, Julie, we are out of time, but I just want to thank you so much for your candor and your thought, your deep thought and reflection in this area to um, just help other people who are going through it and ha- other people who are walking alongside those people and just you know hopefully that all of us can handle it a little bit better and can you know be 
authentic and honest with one another and honest with the Lord, mm-hmm. but walk through it well, like we were talking about, even though it's a path, like you said earlier, that you, you never want to find yourself on. So I just really want to thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And we just want to thank you who are joining us. Um, please do subscribe to the show on your favorite, favorite podcast platform. It really does help more people find us. And we hope that you'll join us next time when we discuss issues of God and culture. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well.